3: And let's get this party started with the Jack Riccardi show. Mm. Well,
4: you know, I was impressed by how fast uh, Jerry Jones went from the quarterback controversy to the Zeke Pollard controversy. He can't help himself, can he? Nope, he can't.
3: He just he <laughs> just loves it. You know he what just... he's like. He has reminded he like? me. He's reminded me of the world's wealthiest football fan for God, twenty twenty five years. Yeah, that's how no. he is.
4: Yeah, there you go. Just stir in the pot. All right, well, good afternoon. Welcome to our dreadful little show. And you can be a part of it at 210-599-5555. I, let me start with this. I don't need to know what happened in Paul Pelosi's bedroom. I never, I've never, i never thought about that before last week. I never wondered about what he does or how he is or what's going on when Nancy isn't home. That is thats is not anywhere on my radar. I don't need to know. And the fact that this story... Doesn't make sense. Wouldn't matter to me, except that the media and the Democrats are forcing you to care about it. You you don't have a choice. Because this is your fault, and the fault of everybody you vote for, and the fault of everything you believe in. And so you are forced to say, well, let me take a look at this. And then when you take a look at it, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. The Paul Pelosi story, as we have been getting it, and it has changed a couple of times since last we were together on Friday, just doesn't make sense. Obviously, it doesn't make sense in part because we don't have all the information. We don't have all the facts. And we wouldn't have all the facts, and we shouldn't have all the facts this soon You know sane, logical world. But the other reason it doesn't make sense is, again, because what is available is being stretched to cover certain bases that it needs to cover. So I think Paul Pelosi was attacked with a hammer and, and suffered some injuries and went to the hospital, and, and they were very serious injuries. I think the police showed up while he was being attacked. And that they actually saw the, you know, the tail end of the attack. And we know that a guy named David DuPep or DuPep has been arrested in his underwear. But we don't know a lot of things. We, we don't know how he got in. We don't know who let the police in. Because the police at first said that they were let into the house by a third person. And... If you're a journalist, you would want to know who that third person is. But then they re- amended their statement to say, no, there was no third person. They they had said a person unknown to them opened the door to the police. Well, I guess Paul Pelosi or David DuPay would be unknown to the police at first. They don't know. So it could be that. But was there a third person there? Which would change the story tremendously. And then, okay, you're supposed to believe that MAGA Republicanism is behind the attack on Paul Pelosi. That that somehow this specific plot of all the things that the MAGA Republican conspiracy could have done, they would have chosen this guy, this hemp jewelry-making nudist protester who lives in a commune in Berkeley with Black Lives Matter and a gay pride flag and lives with a woman who he had children with but is now married to another man, and they all live together, putting out alternative 9-11 theories, is the guy that MAGA Republicans chose as their ninja to go after Paul Pelosi. How does someone with that profile end up being a Trump-loving, J6-supporting, targeted hitman for MAGA Republicans? Where would MAGA Republicans even meet somebody like David DePape? So, I tried to stay away from the story a little bit on Saturday. I watched a lot of college football. And then I watched some of the Sunday morning shows. And Meet the Press had this breathless tease about how their investigative reporter had new details. And this was Sunday. And I thought, well, all right, let me get the new details. And this is what they came up with. Take a listen to this, cut number one. On where this investigation stands. I'm joined now by our uh, investigative correspondent, Tom Winter. So, Tom, we know that there's uh, multiple law enforcement agencies involved. We know that the suspect, uh, D- David Pepe is going to be charged tomorrow. What else have you learned overnight?
1: Right, some important details I think you might find mm, interesting, okay. Here they Chuck. It's so our important understanding details. now that this individual, David DePepe, as you alluded to, 42, no known address, uh, no uh, <laughs> recent employment that we're aware of, uh, was able to get into the Pelosi bedroom where Paul Pelosi was. All that, according to District Attorney Brooke Jenkins, in an interview with NBC News hold yesterday, on, hold she on, said that this individual has on. been in-
4: Okay, we know he got in. How is this an investigative reporter? This guy's terrible. We know that he got in. Okay, we know that. How did he get in? Who let him in? Who let the police in? Who called the police? They're saying that that one theory is that uh, Paul Pelosi called the police and spoke in code and pretended to be a friend of David DuPape. Pretended to be so that the police would realize he was actually terrorized. But, of course, the other way to understand that is if two guys are wearing their underwear in a bedroom in San Francisco, maybe they're there consensually. I mean, I'm not saying that's what had to have happened. I'm saying that if you're making me care about this and you're making me take a look at this, I'm going to wonder about that. Let's, let's get back to this fascinating investigative reporter.
1: In an interview with NBC News yesterday, she said that this individual has been interviewed by police, so it indicates that he Mm. is at least talking to them, which Mm. might help out figuring Mm, not only why he was there, what his specific motive was, but perhaps just as importantly, what he intended to do when he was there. Certainly anybody that brought a hammer and attempted to kill Paul Pelosi uh, is somebody that probably had some pretty violent intents. Wow, uh, that is deep insight.
4: He brought a hammer. He probably had some violent intentions that's some That's some good
1: stuff on n b c all right continue speaker was there, but we're hopeful to get some more information about that uh as you said, expected to be charged on state charges tomorrow. She also indicated that it's possible that federal authorities could move forward with charges uh in a parallel investigation or a parallel case uh as well sometime in the future. you know there have been a lot of uh of the reports have indicated sort of how police got there, and they witnessed the beating. At the time, and there seems to be a hint that there was a third person in the house. You've got some new details
4: on that as well, Tom. What can you tell us?
1: Well, that's correct, Chuck. So it, the police chief came out and did a press conference later on Friday when, when most people had uh, uh, already started to go to bed on the East Coast. And and in that press conference, uh, he stated that there was a third person inside the house that opened the door for police when they were called to that house. Mm. And that's when they saw the struggle over the hammer between uh, Depepe and Pelosi. And then Depepe, according to police, uh, struck Pelosi in the head with okay. that hammer. So you – know, so-
4: he can't be wrestling around on the floor with the guy and be opening the door to the police did he open the door to the police and then return to the fight see it doesn't that doesn't make any sense and i again i don't need to know i got other things in my life uh, but if you're going to tell me that that this is about the midterms and that this is about the the culture of violence in american politics uh, then I'm gonna need some. I'm gonna need some facts, and the authorities are gonna need to be transparent. You can't blame you can't blame people for looking at this sideways. Pelosi's attacker is in his underwear, and a millionaire's house has no security. Not just none. Not even like the kind of security. Not even like a, I've fallen and I can't get up thing. For Paul Pelosi. I'm not laughing. Some people are. I'm not not laughing. It sounds like somebody got hurt. I'm sorry that happened. But it also sounds like possibly the way he got hurt is not at all what we're being told. And I wonder if this is so important that it matters to our politics, then why not have a congressional investigation? Why not have a J6-type committee? These are serious charges. You're, you're, You're coming out and saying that the the climate of your opposition drove or inspired this guy to do this, why it's a kind of insurrection. Now I'll tell you what it does kind of look like, and I'm not saying I know this and I'm not getting out over my skis, but two guys in their underwear wrestling around having a fight sounds like an encounter that was consensual at the start, And went sideways somewhere along the way. I don't care. It's none of my business. But I do remember years and years ago, before it was more socially acceptable to be gay, a lot of times the way somebody would be outed would be they would get into a fight with a a person they had picked up or a person they had met through an ad. And when police showed up and took a report, we'd find out that a political figure or a celebrity was gay. It's none of my business. But the regime media is in full-on attack mode here, and they're coming for you and they're coming for me. And if we don't accept the ridiculous, gap-ridden, official story of this, then we are not serious or we're part of the problem. I'm not playing that. I'm just not playing that game. It just doesn't make sense. And then they clarified and said, no, there was not a third person, which actually leads to less clarity, not more. Like, what they're telling us would make sense with a third person, but without one, it really really doesn't. And then there was this gem from uh, Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation. She had a Republican congressman on named Tom Emmer. And he had uh, tweeted a picture of himself at the shooting range. So she went after him to say he needed to pull that video, and Republicans need to pull all their ads mentioning Nancy Pelosi. Cut number two. Listen to this
5: about something other than people being worried for their lives. But unfortunately, that's where we are. I want to ask you about this when it comes to political violence. On your Twitter feed, you posted this video we're going to show just a few days ago, where you're firing a gun, and it says, enjoyed exercising my Second Amendment rights, hashtag fire Pelosi. Why is there a gun in a political ad at all? It wasn't an ad. Hashtag, was, or a tweet. Out, I was tweeting out hashtag something that I had just done. Hashtag, fire Pelosi with a weapon.
3: Well, now would
5: a pink slip be more fitting if it's about firing her?
0: It's interesting, <laughs> Margaret. Why it's interesting, Margaret that we're talking about this this morning when a couple of years back when a Bernie Sanders supporter mm-hmm. shot Steve mm-hmm. Smith which was horrendous. When a Bernie and Sanders horrific, supporter shot Steve Smith,
5: I never heard you or weapons.
0: anyone else in the media trying to blame Democrats for what happened. Good we need to stay focused on extensive what Extensive coverage doing
5: of what happened to Ex- Steve Smith. There is extent like to equate
0: Democrats rhetoric, people that I'm not talking about
5: your rhetoric. I'm talking d- about what you posted. You're shooting same. a gun. Our viewers just saw it. Yeah, right. Hashtag fire Pelosi.
0: Exercising right. our Second Amendment rights. having That's not, the amendment. Yeah. That's not a debate
5: about the Second Amendment. That's not a debate about the Second Amendment. Hashtag fire Pelosi.
0: Yes, it
4: is. I'm, Do you, you not understand that that is to suggestive
5: to people Do who you are not in a bad state and in this current environment? Imagine, how- imagine
4: that the, the Republicans uh, would the Republicans be so stupid as to take advertising advice from Margaret Brennan uh, at CBS News? Would they? Would could they be that stupid? I don't think they are. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a nuts line of questioning, right? How dare you! She, so basically, for the next eight days, Republicans shouldn't talk about Pelosi because this happened. Now, if that's where you're going with this, that really starts to make me wonder about what happened and how much of it was preconceived because that, that feels just a little too coincidental or convenient, right? Oh, we, you guys need to pull all your ads about Pelosi. Why? She's the Speaker of the House. You're running for a majority in the House. She is the figurehead of the Democratic Party's platform. Biden doesn't know what he's doing. They send Pelosi out to explain the nuts and bolts of what they're doing, right? That's clear every day. But now she's off limits. Hmm. Interesting. And, again, as he pointed out, it was a tweet of him at a shooting range, not a campaign ad. But you shouldn't be, there shouldn't be guns, there should be pink slips. She says. Oh, okay. Well, from now on, we'll just run all of our ads past you, Margaret, and you can just tell us which ones are okay. Uh, tell me what you think about all this. 210-599-5555. Quick look at KTSA Time Saver Traffic. Celebrating
6: 100 years of service.
0: 55 KTSA. Lately, I've been, I've been thinking. I want you to be happier. I all
4: right, coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk to the Honest Election project about the midterms and um, non-citizen voting it's coming up in about 10 minutes here on KTSA San Antonio's news talk station Jack Riccardi 210 599 if you're going to make the Pelosi story uh, the centerpiece of the remaining eight days then I'm going to tell you your story makes no sense and you're going to have to give us more answers otherwise i i don't care i don't need to know do you i mean I, I, it's none of my business but if you if you're going to make it if you're going to make it the business of the country your story is not hanging together john is on 550 and 1071 ktsa john good afternoon
7: good
0: afternoon jack uh, i'm getting into my halloween cost, costume it's uh, underwear and a hammer <laughs> and uh, thank you
4: uh, i hope you don't live in my neighborhood
0: Thank you for uh, watching Face the Nation, so I don't have to. In my opinion, (laughs) in my opinion, uh, this is a a gift from God. It's a perfect example of how the um, the left tries to manipulate the uh, narrative, and it also shows the actors. So, happy
4: Halloween. Okay, John. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Put some clothes on. Listen. you, one way to look at this, and I'm not saying I know this, I'm just throwing this out there. One way to look at this is if they are really trying to, uh, you know, spin this up, then their internal polling must be horrible. You know how they they go around Biden and Pelosi and others are going around saying, "Oh, we're going to have a, it's going to be a blue wave. We're feeling great. We're going to win. We're going to keep the house." If they believe that, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be talking this up. This would have gone away nice and quietly like Paul Pelosi's DUI arrest did. Remember how fast that disappeared? Boy, you blinked and you missed it. This thing, they are performing CPR on this thing. So I guess one way to look at that is they must really be worried. They must really know they're losing. Everyone can see it. And um, somebody, uh, the, the Fetterman campaign in Pennsylvania tweeted out, a picture on, um, this was on Saturday night, they tweeted out a picture of one of his campaign signs on fire, and it was like half burnt. And the tweet said, this happened last night on a farm in Lawrence County. There is no place for violence and intimidation in politics. Our campaign is about bringing people together. Um, And right away, people had questions like, you showed up in time to take a picture of a sign on fire halfway through? I mean, how long does it take? It's, it, it wouldn't last that long. It's just a, it's a yard sign. Somehow you were there just in the nick of time to get a picture of it while it was half burned. And wh- why should I not believe that you lit the sign on fire, took a picture of it, and then sent your tweet? I mean, I can't prove that you did, but you can't prove that you didn't. We're kind of at a standoff. And I think that's where the Paul Pelosi story leaves me at this point. I mean, there may be a couple of things that are broadly stipulated to, but there's a lot of things that don't add up. And the fervor, the franticness with which they are telling you, you have to embrace this, you have to agree to this, you cannot question this, how dare you quote the San Francisco Police Department's own police report that says a third person. So it just makes you wonder, right? Is it? Do you think it's working? I mean, I know it's not working on you, but it, is everybody seeing through this the way you and I are, or, or what? And, and again, not for nothing, but what we have so far could just as plausibly be they knew each other, or he knew someone was coming, he let him in, there was some kind of arrangement. I don't know. There's an alt newspaper out there called the Santa Monica Observer or something that that claims that that Paul Pelosi is a closeted homosexual and this this was an encounter gone wrong. But I I don't know that and 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 I'm not saying it has to be that. But right now that version or that I guess theory is neck and neck with the one they're trying to give us. And we're going to talk about that. Again, we're talking about the midterms and the voting with uh, Jason Sneed from the Honest Elections Project. More of your phone calls coming up after we update KTSA Time Saver Traffic. Get through it. 210-599-5555 here on KTSA. Now, when you're remodeling a kitchen or bathroom, it's disruptive to your whole family and your routine. And sometimes people even move out of the house while the work is being done. I mean, it's... It, you have to keep your eyes on the prize. You've got to think about, well, okay, I hate what we're going through, but in the end, we're going to have this great new bathroom or this great new kitchen. A kitchen designed by Giovanni. They have an app that they loop you in on. So while the project's going on, even when you're not there, you see real time updates on what they did. You get updates on the schedule. Like, are the, is, is the crew going to be there tomorrow or not? Or what time are they going to be at your house? And you get all that so that you have a sense of how it's going, where it's going, even if you're not at home most of us can't be at home while all this is going on it's just another difference remodeling with kitchen designs by giovanni versus just anybody else if you are thinking about it if you're getting close to the decision talk to kitchen designs by giovanni ask about the app 210-460-0113 210-460-0113
6: The 2022 midterms happen here. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071.
4: We're going to talk about those midterms here and the Pelosi story and everything else in the news. 210-599-5555. Jack Riccardi right here, right now, KTSA. Joining us uh, on the ktsa Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker Line, Jason Sneed is the executive director of the Honest Elections Project. Jason, thanks for coming back and good afternoon to you. Well, thanks for having me. Before we talk broadly about voting, you had um, written an op-ed that I saw about the push in D.C. to have um, non-citizens vote in the municipal elections. And and the people behind this are saying it'll just be local elections, uh, nothing else. Um, How many people are we talking about here and how... uh, How widespread is this around the country? Because I do know, I I have heard of a few other places where uh, they're they're pushing for this. Well,
2: that's right. This is a, a new trend that we're seeing, particularly on the left, where there's a sense that if you change the people who vote in elections, that you can change the results of those elections. It's something that even the Washington Post editorial board called the D.C. City Council out for doing by trying to enfranchise, in this case, 50,000 non-citizen residents and it's important to point out that when we say non-citizen residents we aren't just talking about people who are here legally green card holders uh, permanent residents or aspiring future citizens we're also talking about illegal uh, immigrants we're talking about people who live in the city for merely 30 days and can even be uh, in the case of Washington DC in particular Uh, uh, Operatives working for foreign governments at embassies or even potentially spies working against the nation's interests, which certainly is something that happens here in D.C. The the language is so broad and so loose uh, that even the Post editorial board called it radical, which I think is 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 really saying something. Uh, It is, as you point out, a phenomenon which is spreading. Uh, Already, more than 15 jurisdictions at the local level have made steps to enfranchise uh, non-citizens in some way or another in local races, the largest by far being New York City, which tried to do the same thing that D.C. is trying to do, uh, and that would have affected 800,000 legal and illegal non-citizens in the Big Apple.
4: Wow. I think it's an understatement to say that there is a lot of fear and mistrust of the voting process and the vote counting process going into these midterms. And and so to have local officials simultaneously attempting the answer to a question no one is asking and then t- pivoting and saying, but don't worry, the elections are safe and you'll be able to trust the results is is crazy.
2: Well, that's right, that's right. You know, what we've seen over the last two years has been really extraordinary. Uh, We've seen a lot of doubt and distrust of our elections, and it it exists uh, on the right and the left. In fact, here's an alarming stat that gives you a sense of what I mean. Only about one in four Americans, according to some polls, believe that both 2016 and 2020 elections were decided correctly, which means that both the right and the left are looking at our election systems and viewing them with doubt and uncertainty. And that uncertainty is only compounded when you see these attempts to fundamentally change the voting process. So as as the Post said and as I say in my piece here, what's going on in D.C. is only the latest example of this. And and if the idea is that in a democracy we're supposed to have government that is answerable to the people, well, now it seems as though the government is trying to choose the people so that they don't Mm -hmm. have to be accountable to them when they go too far to the left for the people's taste. So that only fuels and exacerbates these concerns, and it's absolutely something which is corrosive and, and toxic to the health of our republic.
4: Is there a um, kind of a, a guardrail here, though, that it, where where somebody like the DC City Council has jurisdiction over its elections, but would not be able to change the constitution or the constitutional definition of who can vote in federal elections? Am I saying that correctly?
2: Well, that, you are correct. There is a federal law that says it is illegal for a non-citizen to vote in a federal race. And so there is that guardrail, and that that is true in Washington. That's true across the country. But I'd also note that there are a lot of other races that are tremendously important uh, that are not federal elections. And we've all seen the consequences of school board decisions over the last two years, of town council decisions, for instance, about keeping businesses open or closed during the pandemic, keeping schools open or closed, what your local tax rates are going to be, and so forth.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: to argue that somehow this is not an extreme policy because we have mm-hmm. that, that bulwark, which the left does, I think that's a, a, a lovely bit of sleight of hand. Um, they're they're pushing to change the electorate at the local level, and then of course we know how this will snowball as it becomes normalized and routine. Uh, it yes. is inevitable. Yeah. They'll say, "Oh,
4: isn't it a shame that they are... can't just vote the entire ballot? Why now that we've let them in? Why are we preventing them from voting for congressman and senator?" Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're absolutely right about that. What do you tell right. people, right. Uh, Jason, who they find out who you are and what you do, and they go, "Boy, I don't I don't know if I can believe." Uh, the results next tuesday night what do you what do you say to them
2: well i i would tell them that in a lot of the places where we've seen issues in the past
4: not just in
2: 2020 but prior elections as well um, we have seen substantial improvements to our election laws florida for instance passed two election law uh, reforms in the last two years georgia passed a comprehensive package arizona has passed numerous bills texas passed uh, SB1, despite the fact that Democrats in the legislature tried everything, including you know walking out and flying to D.C. Right. in protest to stop it. We've seen substantial improvements to elections, and I think the facts speak for themselves. I mean, we're already seeing record turnout. Early voting numbers in Georgia are through the roof. And for folks to doubt whether we're solving problems with these laws, I would just point out that right now the left is spending millions upon millions of dollars in courtroom litigation trying to stop these laws. They, they tighten up the election system, they take the slack out of it, and they increase transparency, accountability, voter access. And they also make it harder to cheat in these elections. So I think it's a win, and I think that voters can uh, can take a great deal of solace from that. But, of course, still more work remains to be done. There are states like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan where serious reform has not yet happened or, in the case of Michigan, where there are ballot measures that are actually going to take us backwards because the left is pouring millions of dollars into uh, ballot measures in Michigan and elsewhere to fundamentally change elections and, and do it through disingenuous means, uh, to say the least. So we've still got more work to do, but we've made yeah. tremendous progress.
4: Is the um, is the phenomenon of the Zuck Bucks, uh, the privately funded uh, drop boxes and things like that, what, what, is that, is that uh, over? or is that still alive for 2022 and 2024?
2: Well, it's still a real problem. A number of states, in fact, about half the states have passed the Zuckbuck bans or have restricted the practice in some way. But key states have not yet done that. And I'm thinking specifically about Wisconsin right now, where already private funding is flowing into a few cities like Milwaukee, and they're using it and plugging in folks who appear even to be partisan activists into the election process. So it's so important that we make sure that our elections are not run uh, with, with private dollars donated by billionaires and political special interests that seem intended to to skew the administration of elections, again, with the hope of changing the results. So that problem is still alive and well. And there's also another issue as well. The group, the organization that actually distributed the Zuckbuck money, a group called uh, CTCL, is rolling out its next project as we speak the Alliance for Election Excellence, which is designed to bring together local election administrators and give them advice, guidance, trainings, mm. assistance, and so forth. So they're trying to worm their way into the local election apparatus and change the way elections are run at the granular grassroots level. It's, it's a pretty interesting strategy. It's definitely something that we're paying attention to. There's This Zuckbuck phenomenon is not over yet.
4: We need to talk about that the next time you come back. Jason Sneed, Executive Director, Honest Elections Project. Thank you for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is great. All right. 446 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi, it's 210-599-5555 to get you in here. You can also email me, jack at ktsa.com. We've been talking about the midterms, uh, the Pelosi uh, story. There's a country music star who's in hot water uh, over something that seems really uh innocent. And I'm going to tell you the story. We're going to see what you think. And get your calls on that as well. Uh, 210-599-5555. Coming up here on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Another update on KTSA time-saver traffic. And you know, with the end of the year and the beginning of a new year, uh, certain businesses will be raising their prices, but in most cases, you won't know until Jan 1, right? However, with River City Oral Surgery, in the interest of and in the tradition of price transparency, Dr. Mark Havercorn is already telling people, and he's been telling them for weeks, you know, yes, our, our package pricing will go up on January 1st, but you can take advantage of the 2022 prices and make your appointment now for wisdom teeth or dental implants or whatever it might be. All of the pricing is at rivercityoms.com. So if you're not really ready to talk to somebody about this, but you just want to research it, you just want to think about it, go to that website, look at the prices, look at the services, get to know him a little bit. His videos are on there. and it Everything you learn about him, including the pricing, just makes your decision a little easier, puts your mind at ease. So if you don't want to talk to anybody, just go to the website, River City, OMS. Dot com, see the 2022 prices. And then if you do want to talk to somebody, 210-778-0002. 210-778-0002. Or RiverCityOMS.com.
6: Celebrating 100 years of service. 55
4: All right, 452 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Happy Halloween, if that's your thing. And if not, then, you know, stay out of everybody else's way and let them have their, let them have their night. It's not really my, not really my favorite uh, holiday. I, I've, actually, I've actually become more interested in it only because of the people that seem so put out by it. Is that wrong? Like, like I'm, I'm starting to enjoy how uh, discombobulated certain people are about it. So maybe I'll find my way to it that way. Um, I, I'm not a country music fan per se, and I, I don't know much about Luke Bryan, except I know he's a big star. He probably doesn't know much about me either, so we're even. But the other night, he was in Jacksonville, Florida, and he did a concert to raise money for the victims of the hurricane, which is a nice thing to do. And it was brought to his attention that the governor, Ron DeSantis, or as some know him, worse than Hitler was there, so he called him up on stage. Now, in normal times, that would not be any big deal, that would not be any big thing, pretty routine. But these are not normal times, and again, he's worse than Hitler. So some people got on Twitter and started coming after Luke Bryan. Their music, you know, his music was ruined for them. They they can't listen to him now. They are taking him off their playlists. Uh, they don't, they, they liked him before, but they don't like him anymore. And of course you never know with people like this. I have people tell me all the time, I'm never listening to your show again. And you can tell they've never listened to the first place, but they're going to delete Luke Bryan from their playlist and what have you. Um, and, um, you suck and all that stuff. Now, the way to handle this is when crazy people start yelling on the street corner You just keep going. You just keep doing your job. And if you're Luke Bryan, your job is to just keep singing. But he, and he seems like a good guy, I'm not attacking him, but he decided he needed to explain having Ron DeSantis on the stage with him. And he put out a statement, said in part, I understand how Governor DeSantis is a very polarizing figure, but I grew up in a country where if a governor asks you If they can come and raise awareness to help victims of a disaster, you help. You know, I grew up in that country too, Luke. But the worst thing you can do is explain yourself to people like this. Stop explaining. Stop justifying. They don't. Look at all the celebrities. I mean, for crying out loud, for a while there, Beto O'Rourke was on stage more than anybody. You know, Harry Styles had him on stage, and the Dixie Chicks had him on stage, and this one and that one. Nobody said, I know he's a polarizing figure, I hope I didn't offend anybody, because they don't give a bleep. They're acting out their beliefs. They're playing to their crowd. Luke Bryan, you're a country music star. Your fans are okay with Ron DeSantis, and they're okay with Hurricane... Relief. And if they really want to stop listening to you because you appeared with him or he stood on the stage with you, you will have more replacement fans, new fans, than the few cranks that you maybe lost if you even did. Why is this so difficult? And again, I'm not attacking him, I'm attacking the idea. Let's stop playing by these rules let's stop letting a few twits on twitter bring everything to a halt suck the fun out of halloween suck the fun out of a country music concert why why do people who are republican have to explain and 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 pave the way and and make apology but people who are democrats don't i mean you could you could make the same case that, that Beto O'Rourke is a polarizing figure. You could make the same case that, you know, n- n- name your Democratic politician or celebrity is a polarizing figure. But they don't apologize. See, when you do this, you're playing on their field. And the advantages are all theirs. Tell me what you think. I mean, I again, I... I'm, some people are really savaging him for doing this, and I don't. I, I don't know enough about him. I don't know anything about him, actually. I, I know that he's a big star. I know a lot of people like him. Is this aggravating to you, as it is to me, or do you look at it like, oh, he's a really nice guy. He just wants to make sure everybody's having a good time, and and he wants to stay out of politics, and he he just wants to help the hurricane victims. How do you how do you look at it? How do you how does it hit you? Two ten. 599 And we're going to talk about the uh, the Pelosi story and the midterms as we continue along here. We've got a new JR poll. We're going to get your uh, calls in on that as well at 210 599 5555. Oh, and uh, former President Barack Obama, campaigning for John Fetterman in Pennsylvania, said something interesting. He's also campaigning in Georgia for uh, Raphael Warnock against Herschel Walker. So I'm going to play you what he said coming up. We'll get your reaction to that after the news. 550 and 1071 KTSA.
3: I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and this is Jack Riccardi. Mm. So ideally you want it to
4: cool down a little for Halloween, right? You don't want to be, you know, all sweaty inside your your costume. I concur. Yeah, and then you said it might
3: shower a little bit. That's Mm -hmm. not good news. Let's see if we can hold those off for a while, right? Halloween makeup and rain, just not a good mix. Mm. See, when
4: I was a kid, we didn't even have makeup. We had those store-bought masks with <laughs> yeah, a tiny right. little breathing hole. Remember, it was so tiny. It was like a pinhole. That's right. You, you think you had trouble breathing with your COVID mask on? Nothing compared to these guys. Th- these were like extermination devices. I'm, it's a wonder we even lived. But not only could you not breathe through the hole, but then you had that elastic around the back. That's right. It was the cheapest grade elastic they could they could find because the mm-hmm. whole thing was like 39 cents. And that elastic <laughs> at some point would just give way, would just snap. You know, so all of a sudden, one of your ears would be on fire, and that would ruin the, the whole costume. Yeah. yeah. Well, then the mask would fall off, and you could breathe. But, yeah, rain and muggy. You don't want, you don't want that. There was a a woman on on uh, Buzzfeed who was uh, saying, "Please, I'm begging you, do not wear these Halloween costumes." And that got my attention, as you can imagine, Christian. So, yeah. let me tell you what she says: Do not do, do not wear these. Okay. She says, do not go as a J6 insurrectionist, which uh, doesn't even seem like something the kids would be.
3: Yeah, that's kind of a boring really? costume,
4: isn't it? Right. She says, don't go as Mike Pence, which, again, I don't think there's a lot of kids that ran home from school today to put their Pence wig on. No, no. Like, where is she getting these? don't know. It's like, it's like. It's like upside-down Pinterest world. Then she says, don't go as the COVID uh, virus, you know, the round thing with the spikes on it. Mm -hmm. But I think people will do that. I mean, that seems likely. She says, don't go as the vaccine, which I don't understand why that would be verboten because, you know, I thought the vaccine was everything to these people, right? But a hypodermic needle, is that what that would entail? I guess you would be a hypodermic needle with Pfizer written on you. (laughs) On the side. <laughs> and then she says, don't go as hand sanitizer, which, again, I don't think she's tapped
3: into where the kids are, because that's not. This sounds like a much more politically oriented rant <laughs> than this Halloween. Where's Halloween? <laughs> is, that, is that coming into this or no?
4: I don't know. I mean, these are like the worst. She's like she's like the worst aunt. Like, you know, you would like you'd never want to take advice from her. You know, all of these ideas are terrible ideas. I don't think she has to worry. Nobody's going out as Mike Pence. That's a at Mike Pence is around your neighborhood ringing the doorbell. That's a great point. She'll be happy tonight. <laughs> she will be in a very good mood tonight. But the more people like this complain about Halloween, I don't know the the more appeal Halloween has for me. I I can't help it. They're they're winning me over. Well, these, she scolds she, are winning me over. She got you to look at her list <laughs>
3: cuz I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
4: There you go. What the hell am I doing on Buzzfeed anyway? All right. 210-599-5555, Jack on KTSA. Um, we're asking you on the JR poll today, um, is it too soon for Christmas music? I know this is weird. It's Halloween. We haven't had Thanksgiving yet. But, you know, all the Christmas stuff is out in the stores, right? And um, a lot of interesting takes on the uh, when when is the right time for Christmas music. Some people say after Thanksgiving. Some people say wait a little while longer. Some people say, no, I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, Some people don't like Christmas music at all. So tell me where you are on that. You can vote at KTSA.com or when you call the show at 210-599-5555. Is it too soon for Halloween music? All right. um, Former President Barack Obama is campaigning uh, in the key Senate race states like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, he went down to Georgia to campaign for Raphael Warnock. The latest polls show that Warnock and Herschel Walker are neck and neck. Uh, it's very close. Um, and so he got out there to, and he, you know how, you know, Barack Obama gets pretty loose out there on the campaign trail. You know, he kind of kind of gets into it. The crowd's eating it up, and he's, he's having a good time up there. He's very comfortable. I mean, this is his thing, you know. He's got the shirt sleeves going. He's not president anymore. He doesn't have to worry about anything. And he starts getting into this, uh, on this riff about how, you know, Herschel Walker's a nice guy and all, but we can't have him in the Senate. And listen to the comparison that he makes, cut number three.
0: I mean, I, I mean some of you are, are too young to remember, but in college he was amazing, one of the best running backs of all time. But, but, but here's the question. Does that make him the best person to represent you in the U.S. Senate? Does that make him equipped to weigh in on the critical decisions about our economy and our foreign policy and our future? Mm. Let's do a thought experiment. Okay. Let's say you're at the airport.
4: Okay.
0: And you see Mr. Walker and you say, hey, there's Herschel Walker. Heisman winner. Let's have him fly
4: the plane. Hmm. So let me see if I understand this, Mr. President. Um being in the Senate is akin to flying a passenger airliner. Am I getting that right? Okay. Pretty insulting to Professional pilots, number one. Number two, if we're gonna talk about senators flying the airplane, I can't even think of one I would want to fly the airplane. No, I don't I don't want Herschel Walker to fly my airplane. You're right about that. I don't want Raphael Warnock to fly it. I wouldn't have wanted Ted Kennedy to fly it. Well heck I wouldn't have wanted you to fly it, Barack Obama. What were you? What was Barack Obama? Before he ran for political office, he was a community organizer. so should the guy that was a community organizer and spent a piece of a Senate term before he was elected president be knocking other people's lack of preparation for the job i mean i'm not I'm not trying to be cruel, but like talk about not reading the moment. This guy looks out at America, Barack Obama, and says, you know, I better remind everybody that Herschel Walker's not a politician. That'll do it. (laughs) We'll all come to our senses and go, oh, thanks for reminding me. Of course, we got to stick with politicians. We could get into some pretty big trouble if we put anybody into office who's not a politician. Because it's like flying an airplane. Have you seen the people in the senate i'm I'm asking I mean, do you ever watch like the hearings do, do you think they like I don't know I'll pick one like Diane Feinstein or Chuck Grassley should they be flying planes? It looks like they can it. barely get on a plane. I don't think they should be driving cars. I'm not sure they should be walking unattended, but that's what he's that's the that that's the line he's running well. You wouldn't want him in the Senate because you wouldn't want him flying your plane. Let me put it another way, Mr. President. What we need in the Senate, what we need more of in the Senate, what I want more of in the Senate are people who know how to fly a plane, are people who know how to do other things. They've learned complicated skills and managerial and time organizing and people-leading skills. What I don't want are ideologues and and drones that just know how to follow the leader of their party. What I don't need is community organizers. What I don't need is people whose wives tell me that they've never been proud to be an American or people that seem to be disappointed in us perpetually as Barack Obama was for his entire eight years in office. We were always a letdown to him. He was always wagging his finger at us like we brought the car home with a dent this is not who we are. Remember that? Yeah, give me the guy that can fly an airplane. But until then, you might not want to use that analogy. Just saying. All right, tell me what you think. 210-599-5555 or jack at KTSA.com. We update KTSA time saver traffic here next. The housing market is changing radically and quickly. And as prices are coming down and uh, rates are going up, You need to talk to people who can guide you on where you're at and where your next step should be. An app can't do that. An app is good for speed, for a quick transaction. You can order a sandwich on an app, but I wouldn't order a a mortgage on an app. I would talk to Helen's money team with Guild Mortgage. When you talk to uh, Helen and her team at 210-403-0808, you're talking to mortgage bankers. So they have Uh, The full menu of mortgage types to offer, they know about them, they listen to you, they figure out which one is a good fit, they make their recommendations, and if you take them, they help execute that for you at Helen's Money Team with Guild Mortgage. You know, it's pretty cool. She has multiple generations of the same family that have come to her because she's easy to work with, her people are easy to talk to, they listen it's a one-on-one, it's not an account number kind of relationship. Helen's Money Team with Guild Mortgage, 210-403-0808, or go to helensmoneyteam.com. Helen's Money Team with Guild Mortgage, Equal Housing Lender, Company NMLS number 3274. Celebrating 100 years of service.
6: 55 KTSA. I
0: can feel
4: kicked down. In my soul. All right, 528 on KTSA, so we were... Uh, We joined into the uh, end of that news conference in San Francisco. We've been talking about the Pelosi attack. We've been talking about the midterms, Halloween, many other things. Um, Former President Barack Obama on the campaign trail for Senate candidates was in Georgia where he said, uh, you know, Herschel Walker is a great football player back in the day, but you wouldn't want him flying your plane, which is quite the goalpost move for United States... Senator, uh, either, I guess President Obama either has a low opinion of airplane pilots or a high opinion of United States senators, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure very few of them could fly a plane or could even learn to. Uh, Mark writes to Jack at KTSA.com, can the president that Obama supports fly a plane or the one he picked as vice president, the one that can't make it up the steps to an airplane? And Donna writes to Jack at KTSA.com, I think I would prefer Herschel Walker as my pilot to John Fetterman, yeah, it's, um, I mean, we could go all day, but it, what it is is the myopic view of political elites that they are doing something so fine and specialized that you and me and our ilk shouldn't even think about attempting it. This is the work of the of the political class, the ruling class. They know what they're doing. They're born to it. They're bred to it. They make the right friends. They go to the right schools. And you don't want knuckle dragging commoners, you know, running for office. Now, I, I'm not I'm not saying Herschel Walker is a great candidate. I think he's actually a pretty weak candidate. I'm going to say it. I, I like him as a person. I don't I don't like him as a candidate. But be that as it may. This is the total misread of the room right here, that what voters want to hear is don't trust or mess around with non-political experts. Because being a senator is a highly sophisticated, complicated um thing like like flying a plane where you have to learn all the controls and the all the uh lingo and 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 all of the rules of the air and the regulations the physics well if that's true then how in the world could you put fetterman in the senate i mean the way they're presenting fetterman now is that he's he's a heroically handicapped person he's disabled he's He's a, he's a he's a symbol of resilience. He's not going to be flying an airplane, right? How could we justify keeping people in the Senate past the age of 75, the mandatory uh, age of retirement for airline pilots? How could we? I mean, you can't, right? I don't know if it's 75 or 70 or what it is, but whatever age it is, a whole lot of those senators are over that age. I'm not picking on Obama. I'm just saying there's a lot of people like him who think this way. And I think this is the worst moment to put that in front of people. If there's one thing we all are coming to an agreement on, it's that people who tell us, leave us alone, we're the experts, we know what we're doing, are the reason we're in the mess that we're in right now. All right, your calls, we continue here at 210-599-5555. We'll get another update on KTSA time traffic. Speaking of training and taking that to the nth uh, degree, When people are on the list for a heart transplant, while they're awaiting their heart transplant, they have an implanted heart pump. And while they're in that phase of their treatment, they are told to see an oral surgeon and have any impacted teeth or extractions or anything that needs to be done needs to be cleaned up before the heart transplant. But not just any oral surgeon. The heart transplant team directs them to Dr. Mark Haverkorn. River City Oral Surgery. The reason for that is that he's a board-certified oral surgeon and a medical doctor and dentist and also makes the rounds at the trauma centers. So he's seen all the different kinds of complications that can go with routine oral surgery. Hopefully, prayerfully, your oral surgery will be routine. But you will be with an oral surgeon who is prepared and trusted in even the most Complicated cases. And that's good to know about Dr. Mark Havercorn and River City Oral Surgery. Go and find out more, including all of his prices, at rivercityoms.com. That's rivercityoms.com.
6: The 2022 midterms. Stay connected and informed. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071.
4: KTSA News Times 539. Jack on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Wrapping uh, with Jack is underway, presented by Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We're very excited because in addition to asking you to donate uh, either financially or gifts by going to KTSA.com, we also are bringing back our big finale wrapping event, Christmas concert, December 6th. We will be at the famous Blue Bonnet Palace for our Wrapping with Jack live broadcast and event. But to get us there between now and then asking you please to go to ktsa.com you'll see how family service association helps these families across San Antonio you'll see what uh, kinds of gifts are needed it's very basic stuff very very easy to obtain anywhere in your travels you can even uh buy via Amazon uh or you can donate if you're not much into shopping you can just make a financial donation and they'll spend your money on the things that are needed but go to ktsa.com and help us help these families our goal is to have each family member have at least one gift to unwrap on Christmas Day. It doesn't seem like much, but to people that aren't expecting anything and have had a bad year, it could be everything. Again, KTSA.com for Wrapping with Jack, presented by Quarter Moon Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, Family Service Association, and 550 KTSA. Uh, 210-599-5555, we've been talking about the... um. The Pelosi attack, there was just a news conference in San Francisco in which they were talking about the charges against the alleged attacker of Paul Pelosi. Um, We've been talking about the midterms uh, on and off, uh, of course, with eight days to go. Uh, Game three of the World Series is tonight. The Astros and Philadelphia are tied 1-1. They resume the series in Philadelphia tonight after a travel day. The manager of the Astros, Dusty Baker... Uh, said in an interview that he is ashamed of the game. Dusty Baker has seen it all. He's been in baseball for decades. He's one of the most revered people in baseball. I, I want to say at the outset, I, I have been a fan of Dusty Baker since I was a little kid, and he was a fantastic player for a number of teams. Um, Kind of a journeyman, but but not because he couldn't play. He was one of those guys that got plugged into a lot of different teams, a lot of different places. And was phenomenal. Was just a great, great competitor. And then has been a successful manager. I think he's been with four or five different franchises. Uh, he's taken all of the teams he's managed to the postseason. He is one of the all-time winningest baseball managers in history. When you see him in the Astros' dugout, it's like you're looking at... I mean, if if the history of Major League Baseball was, was, was personified, it would be Dusty Baker. I, I love him. I love the guy. I don't really know what he's saying here, and I want to run this by you and see what you think. So he says that as only the third black manager to win a World Series game, he is ashamed of the game. And what he's ashamed of is that for the first time since 1950, There is no U.S.-born black player on the field. Now, when I heard this, it was a distinction I had never heard anybody make before. Like we all know, even if you're not a sports fan, you know that Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in baseball for the then Brooklyn Dodgers in 1947. The American League followed suit eventually it took several years it probably took i think about maybe 15 years but eventually all the teams had at least one black player and that was that was the big line that needed to be crossed and was crossed and rightly so so when i read this i had to sort of stop and think what do they mean by i mean there's all kinds of skin tones and colors and and and, and ethnicities and and racial and ethnic backgrounds on both the Astros and the Phillies' rosters, it's not like a bunch of white guys playing the game. What what are you talking about? Well, they're not U.S.-born African-American players. And somebody apparently looked this up, and you have to go back to 1950, when there probably only were a few black players, period, for a World Series with none of them. What does that mean exactly? I mean, does it mean that Major League Baseball is racist? Does it mean that a cabal of white executives and owners have put out the word, have circulated the memo, do not sign African American players, we don't want them? Is that what happened? Because he says he's ashamed of the game. He says, quote me on this, I'm ashamed of it. He says, it's not something baseball should be proud of. It looks bad. I don't have an answer for why there are not more black coaches and managers in not only baseball, but football, basketball. I I don't don't have an answer for that. I I don't understand that. I'm open to any theory you might have. I, I certainly don't understand in sports where a majority of the players are African American and where a majority of coaches are are drawn from the ranks of former players. I, I don't really understand how the how the coaching ranks are not more you know not exactly but more representative. However, with this distinction, which is a new distinction to me, I've I've heard people of color. I, I've never heard the distinction U.S. born black player. That seems a little bit of a goalpost move to me but 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 okay is it possible and again you tell me if i'm missing the mark if i'm all wet if i'm full of bleep you can tell me is it is it just possible that this is how people have sorted themselves out is it possible that this reflects the sports aspirations of young men, that they are not, so in other words, rather than presume they're trying to get into baseball and something is keeping them out, is it just possible that there aren't that many people of his description playing baseball, growing up with it, coming up with it? I don't know. I'm curious to know what you think. 210-599-5555. If there are young men with talent standing on the outside looking in, I, I don't like that. That doesn't sound right to me, and I would be I would be I'd be very disappointed in baseball if that was true. I don't know that that's true. And when you look around society, there's all kinds of things that are disproportionate in terms of race and ethnicity. Thomas Sowell has written a lot of great articles about this, and And what he basically says is it's not racism or discrimination. When people sort themselves out into certain businesses, you might, for example, if you get your nails done, if you get pedicures and manicures, you might notice that almost all the salons are owned by Southeast Asian people. Now, does that mean that other ethnic groups are not allowed to own salons or can't get into the salon? I don't think it does. It seems like a choice that has been made. It seems like something people have done under their own power. I don't know that there is some force keeping other ethnic groups from opening nail salons. I'm sure they do, and I'm sure they can. So Sometimes people just make choices. Is that what's going on here? 210-599-5555, we'll get your votes in the poll, we'll talk about that. The midterms, get another update on KTSA time-saver traffic right here.
6: The 2022 midterms happen here. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071.
4: 552 KTSA, Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. What's it mean when USA Today interviews Dusty Baker, the manager of the Astros, and he says he's ashamed of baseball because there is not a single U.S.-born black player on the field in this World Series between the Astros and the Philadelphia Phillies. Thomas is on KTSA. Thomas, good afternoon.
0: Hello. Hey, how you doing? Good, thank you. Okay, I just wanted to give my perspective. As an African American, um, I think there's two sides to the story here. I, I think what Nazi Baker is really saying is that he feels ashamed as a black man that there doesn't he doesn't see black youth playing this game to reach the level of major league baseball player, I don't okay. think that he's looking at it as this conspiracy that that major league baseball has it in for blacks. I mean, bottom but line. Why here ashamed, is, but why
3: be ashamed?
4: But why be I think you make a good point, Thomas. But then why be ashamed of baseball if, if in fact, it is simply what young men are choosing or not choosing to do?
0: I I really think he's just old school. And I think that's just the way he wanted to word it. I mean, I really feel like, you know, when I heard that, I saw it in the, in the paper, and I thought, "There's no way, there's no blacks on 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 these teams." And then, of course, you know, looked at the roster, and I realized, yeah. "Oh, okay, there's no black Americans. A lot of right. Dominicans, a lot of people from the islands." And I think he is just ashamed that man, for whatever reason that he doesn't have an answer for it. I I think I kind of understand it, but he doesn't mm. understand why young blacks don't want to play this sport to reach this level. And it's easy, in my opinion, the opportunities, you know, to to make it a major league baseball takes a lot of time, money, dedication from the athlete and family. And you don't Mm -hmm. see that in my culture. It's easier to get out there and play basketball. It's easier to get out there and play football and to make it. Baseball is not appealing for whatever reason. It's just not.
4: I mean, Don't people just sort of change over time, too? Like, I mean, when I was a kid, hardly anybody played soccer. And now, every young boy and every backyard, you know, soccer is everywhere. I I think that just happened, right? I mean, I think that just evolved. And maybe in 50 years, it'll be something else. But it it doesn't seem like anything to lament. It, it, It seems like more of a, oh, that's interesting. Or that's the way people change. Or like you said, opportunities come and go. And... I, I guess I just thought it was for a man that's had a, such a, a great contribution to baseball, and he is, he's a, he's a giant, to say I'm ashamed it just seems like a very strong thing to say.
0: But but like you just said there, though, he's a giant, and he is really hoping and wishing that more American, young American yeah. blacks would play his sport, would right. have the passion that he has for the game. It's right. not there.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's... Gosh, I wish he had said it just the way you you just did, because I think that would have that made a lot more uh, sense to me. And then the other thing that seemed to me, Thomas, a little bit, I don't know, off-putting was, so I thought we were supposed to be glad that there was this international influx of players and, you know, new, new blood coming into the game. Why, why are we now down on that all of a sudden? Like, it, I look at this, world. I've watched both of these games. Every color of the palette is on that field.
0: Yeah, but you know, today's political
4: climate, you got to be upset about something. Oh, there you go. Okay. Thank you for reminding me of that. That's what I left out. Thank you Thomas. Appreciate the call. Good to have you. Uh Mary is on KTSA. Mary, good afternoon.
7: Uh good afternoon. I can I agree with Thomas. I don't think it's anything racial. I think you've overanalyzed it. I think, you know, baseball is is the American sport. It's about America. It's about hot dogs and getting out there, and for us not to have that uh, that uh, respect for the team or pride, it is a, it's a shame. It really is, whether the players are black, white, yellow, whatever, and we're having to recruit from other countries. Um, it's not a problem. I don't have a problem with that, but uh, mm-hmm. it is an American sport, and I think of it, that one of the last things we have that's truly American that we all baseball lovers enjoy, and uh, everything else we have is fading away. Let's hold on to this. So, I Mary, why do it. you
4: think um, if it's if it's the American sport, why are Americans not playing it or as interested in it? Do you think?
7: Why are Americans burning down statues and doing all the things they're doing? Um, mm-hmm. It goes along with all the lack of pride and respect for your country and everything else. that's American. That's yeah. the way I look at it.
4: Okay. Thank you, Mary. Appreciate having you. Uh, so Mary says that it's just, uh, it, it is a shame, but she doesn't think it's, a, it's an intentional uh, act on anybody's part. I will say this. I... I used to be a much bigger baseball fan than I am. I'm still a fan. And when I started feeling kind of the way Mary does, like, hey, what's what's up with people losing interest? The attendance is down. The TV ratings are down. A, a lot of people said to me, look, it's just a very slow game, and we live in a time with shorter attention spans. We live in a time when people want uh, bite-sized entertainment on demand. A baseball game is an investment of patience, right and time that a lot of people don't want to make anymore you may want to i may want to but but a lot of people don't want to i i i think we're changing that way i don't think it's it's necessarily um a fault it's just the way we are and baseball is t- trying to actually speed up its rules and and create uh you know shorter uh extra inning games they're, they're talking about a designated runner rule and doing some other things to shorten uh, time between pitches and what have you, which I'm not sure I like, but but they're aware of it. Obviously, they're aware that people just will not sit through a three-and-a-half or four-hour uh, you know, thing. So maybe that's it, and maybe young people are more attracted to the sports that they watch when it comes time for the sports that they play. Anyway, we'll get to the news with Christian. Continue
3: this conversation after the news on KTSA. I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News. Right back we go to the Jack Riccardi Show.
4: All right, so what's going on with baseball, Christian? Dusty Baker, who I'm sure you have mad respect for like I do, mm-hmm. says he is ashamed of the game because in this World Series, between the Astros and the Phillies, there are no U.S.-born black players, which is a very specific distinction. Obviously, there's a wide variety of ethnic and racial you know, people on both teams. Yep. Yeah. Um, but he's saying uh, this is the first time since 1950, apparently that that's, that this is the case. Is this just the way the game has changed or is there more to it or?
3: Well, we've known for a long time that, um, you know, the Dominican Republic, for example, parts yeah. of you know Latin America have mm-hmm. really become quite strong, you know, so has Asia. As yes. a matter of fact, you're seeing like you Darvish, um, and there's some other examples too. So, you know, I would think that Dusty Baker would be able to sit back and celebrate the I guess the multicultural dynamic happening in baseball I don't think for a second that it's some kind of a plot I don't Yeah, I mean
4: you know I I guess he's seen so much history that um, you would think he'd be in the best position to make the observation you just made yeah but I almost and I don't want to hang this on him because this was the angle of the USA Today interview. They actually presented that statistic to him, and he's the one that uh, apparently was not aware of it till they told him and then said, oh, I'm ashamed of the game if that's true. Don't tell me that, he, he said to the reporter. I, I guess I would just say, you know, like everything, uh, things change. Institutions change. People sort themselves out into different careers, and like you said, it it doesn't necessarily have to mean there's an invisible hand.
3: No, and I mean, he he's... He's managing a baseball team in the World Series, right? Mm-hmm. They won over a hundred games, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
3: they're pretty good as is. And if that wasn't good enough, he's had the whole mm-hmm. year to mm-hmm. make a stink mm-hmm. out of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. why now? Yeah, what's I, the point?
4: I I, well, I, I guess it's like the the gentleman said before the news. We got to have something. We got to have something to gripe about. We got to have something to rub up against or grind about. So, um, I. You know, just to get with Dusty Baker for a minute, I think you would agree, he has done more in Houston than anybody thought. He was brought into a very difficult situation. Yeah. They thought he'd be a caretaker, maybe a year. He now says he'll do one more year. I think he's 74. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He's he's done phenomenally well, not only there, but every place he's ever been
3: plugged in, he's been a, a great manager. I think you need to be very careful when you want, and this is to, I think all of us have to be very careful when you're claiming racism and make sure it's really there as opposed to just kind of, you know, the term kind of flies out there a lot. And I don't know what his point, maybe he does have a point and I'm not getting it, but it just seems, it seems a little bit beneath him.
4: Well, I think, yeah. And I think when people are able to sort themselves out into their the things they want to do, mm-hmm. they will not sort themselves into precisely the demographic ratios that the population has. That's not going to be true in no. any field, in any profession. No, not at so, all. So, you know, and, 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 that's, and that's the beauty of being able to choose what you do and, and, and going ahead and doing it. So, Christian, have a good night. Thank you. Um, so we've been talking today about the the Pelosi story, and as I said at the start of the show, I I don't care. I don't care what happened here. I mean, I don't need to know. I don't need to know about the personal lives of the Pelosi family. It's not on my list of things I'm interested in. I would not have paid any attention to this story beyond seeing the headline that, oh, he was attacked. I'm glad he's okay. Uh, The reason we are talking about it, the reason it is in the news, is not because you and I have some prurient fascination with the Pelosi's, but because we are being told we are being sold, if you will, a a version of events in which we have to care. So none of this would matter, whether he let somebody in, whether he knew the guy, whether it was a random attack, whether it was political, none of this would matter if the media and the Democrats were not jumping to the conclusion that this is the fault of you and me and conservatives and Republicans And so because they are forcing me to look at it, I'm looking at it. And I'm looking at it with skepticism, partly because the people that are trying to peddle this um, narrative are, are infamously unreliable, and because the story itself doesn't add up. What has come out so far about the attacker and the attack simply doesn't add up. It it may add up in 24 hours or 48 hours or a week from now or a month from now. But it's very enigmatic. So Paul Pelosi was attacked with a hammer. Uh, so badly he required an operating table. And his life was in question. The police showed up during the attack. That part of the attack happened in their presence. We know that the attacker was in a house, a multi-million dollar home in an exclusive San Francisco neighborhood with no security. There are Pulte and KB homes all over San Antonio, apparently, with more security than the Pelosi residence in San Francisco, a house that was spray-painted and vandalized just a year ago, a house that is occupied by the woman that is one heartbeat away from the line of succession to the presidency. Then we are told that Paul Pelosi called 911 during the attack. Now that is very hard to picture in my mind. Like, did he call timeout? And then who opened the door to the very rapidly responding police officers? Again, was Pelosi able to break away from his attacker to do that? It's a big house. Bedrooms upstairs. Or was there someone else? The The police report indicated there was someone unknown to them. It could be that Paul Pelosi was unknown to them at that moment, 2.27 in the morning or whatever it was. Or that David Dupape, the alleged attacker, was unknown to them. Or it could mean that there was a third person. But then they... They walked that back. No, 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 we don't mean there was a third person. There were just these two. Then it it makes even less sense. If there was a third person, we would really need to know who that was. And if there wasn't, well, then this story, again, doesn't really seem to add up. And as I said at the beginning, I don't need it to add up. I, I don't care. But if you're going to sell this as the dominant narrative of the remaining eight days of the midterms, then you're making me care. How does someone who is described to us as a uh, pot-smoking, hemp-jewelry-making nudist with Black Lives Matter and rainbow flags on the van he lives in in a commune, and he lives with the woman he had children with and her partner and the children all together, become the... um, hitman of Trump world how does this person become weaponized against Pelosi how would if you're accusing people like me of hateful rhetoric etc etc how in the world would somebody like me reach him that takes some explaining I'm not saying it couldn't be explained but it takes some explaining How does someone who's wearing underwear and has nothing but a hammer get into the house of one of the richest and most powerful families in the country and there's no alarm, there's no security? How does Pelosi call 911 in the middle of this attack? How does he open the door if, in fact, he was the one that opened it? We know the attacker didn't let the police in. So it's either this third person that was or was not there, or it's Paul Pelosi. Is there video? Are there cameras in the home? Maybe not if there's no security, but do the San Francisco police officers wear cameras? Well, the answer is yes, they do. Will we ever see the video? Probably not. I don't care unless you make me care. You're making me care, so that's what I've come up with. 210-599-5555. We'll talk about that. Um, Then somebody had an idea They said well let's just go talk to the People that live around this David DuPape And see what they say That seems like a good idea I'll tell you what they say And we'll update KTSA time saver traffic Here next
6: The 2022 midterms Stay connected and informed News Talk 550 KTSA And FM 1071
4: 622 on KTSA The Pelosi attack Updated by the San Francisco District Attorney this afternoon. You heard the comments here on KTSA just under an hour ago. Uh, they've charged him with several things. Um, we now know that he was an illegal immigrant from Canada uh, who had uh, slipped through the fingers of the California criminal justice system many times. Uh, blogger Michael Schellenberg uh, went out to this uh, commune where David Pape lived uh as a uh, nudist uh found the the van and the school bus in which uh he lives uh black lives matter lgbt rainbow flag uh open drug usage uh neighbors that michael schellenberger talked to said he was um a drifter an addict uh, had politics that were left-wing as far as they knew, but their, their main impression of him was not his political leanings, but that he was paranoid and psychotic. Quote, what I know about the family is they're very radical activists, said a woman who gave her name as Trish. They seem very left. They're all about Black Lives Matter, gay pride, but they're very detached from reality, Trish says. They've called the cops on several of their neighbors, including their black neighbors, claiming that we're plotting against them. It's really weird she said, to see that they would be so aggressive towards someone else who is a lefty. Um, They talked to a woman named Linda Schneider, who says she knew him about eight years ago, that he was living in a storage unit and using hard drugs. Quote, he was likely a mindless follower of something he saw on social media, because I don't think he has the courage to be part of any political or terrorist group. His drug use began, and he went off as rocker, she said. Um, Schellenberger talked to um, his former lover, Gypsy Taub, a Russian immigrant 11 years older than David DuPape. And um, they were the subject of an article in the Oakland Tribune in 2008 about their uh, living arrangements. Um, I, I guess... What stands out to me is that if you want to start following this story back to its origins, in other words, if you, if you want to go backwards from the Pelosi mansion to how did this happen, um, you're looking at the breakdown of California law and order and society. You're looking at a totally failed infrastructure and 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 government you're you're looking at it, it it reminds me as much as anything of of like what you would hear about in the sixties with the Manson family and all that stuff. It seems to me that they've taken the failures of people like the Pelosis and Gavin Newsom and attempted to turn the failure on their political opponents. Which means that David DuPay and for that matter Paul Pelosi are really just pawns, sounds weird to say that about a rich guy, but they're, they're really just pawns in a massive deflection. What I don't see any evidence of is some sort of lineage where you'd say, well, David DuPay belonged to this group or join this organization or was consuming this media that amped him up and and, and and uh radicalized him against Nancy Pelosi. It sounds like the way David DePape was living, he'd actually want people like Pelosi and Newsom to stay in power, not be deposed from it. They're enabling the way he lives. They're not his enemy. It makes the whole thing irrational, not coldly. Rational, But again, the reason we're talking about it is because the spin, which began immediately, is that we, you and I, and people who think like us and vote like us, are responsible for this. How does that strike you? 210-599-5555. And I think if they're going to try to sell that, They've got a lot of work to do. I think even the media are struggling. I mean, they're carrying the water, but they're struggling under the weight of it. Sam is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Sam, good afternoon.
0: How are you doing, Jack? It's always good to get my daily doses of Jack.
4: Oh, well, thank you, Sam.
0: Listen, I wanted to ask a question about the Pelosi thing. The question is, where is Nancy? You know, uh, I don't see her in the news.
4: Anywhere in the news? Well, she went out there. She hospital. went and visited him at the hospital. That's where she is.
0: Well, oh, I see. Okay, I have, i guess I missed that. But I don't see her uh sticking her face in there in front of every camera she can, trying to ham this up, milking this cow dry, saying a, a, about. Uh, I don't think she has to, Sam.
4: I mean, other people are other people are doing that for her. I I, I don't. I mean, I could be I could be all wrong, but I, I don't think she's the one that needs to say those things when you have the networks and other Democratic politicians, including the president of the United States, that, you know, coming out and, and connecting the dots. This is because Republicans are hate mongers. This is because Pelosi is featured in Republican, uh, you know, campaign ads. And so this guy consumed that or was affected by that and and went after her that they're saying it for her.
0: Right. Well, well I'm just sceptical about this. Like you said earlier, you know, I'm just sceptical. You know, it's so, sort of a piece of the puzzle that just doesn't fit in. You know. So, well, it's uh,
4: really I it's really going. To, I I think she will speak. I'm sure we'll hear from her. I'm sure there'll be an interview, but I I think it's going to be very hard for people to understand how two things. One, how you could even get to him, Paul Pelosi, and then two why this guy would be the one affected by or set off by what they're claiming set him off those two things just don't really work right right well, well sam thanks for the call good to have you